The Awakening Revival, an interview with Ken Malone. Thank you for joining me for Revival in My City. For those who want to see their cities transformed by the power of God, I hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and inspire as you pursue spiritual awakening in your own city. Hi, this is Cynthia Bryan. In this episode, you will hear from Ken Malone, founder of Forerunner Ministries. Ken is being used by God to mobilize the body of Christ throughout Florida and the nation. Ken has a prophetic anointing that enables him to identify and activate spiritual gifts. He has a hunger for revival. Uh, he and his amazing wife, Cheryl, equip, empower, and release individuals into their spiritual callings. Ken has the heart of our Father God, and I personally consider him a mentor and spiritual father. Ken, it's such a blessing to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Cynthia. I am honored to be here. Uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is going to say and do in this podcast, and uh, it's just a joy to be on here with you. Thank you. Thank you. This is just a real real treat for me. Um, I was thinking back, the first time I met you was the end of 2012, and I just had an instant connection with your heart and your pursuit for revival and awakening in a region. And um, I'm just so thankful that God um, connected me to you and Cheryl and y'all, your ministry back then. And it's just been a real catalyst in my life to pursue the things of God. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's it's an honor to have you and uh, Duke and uh, your family to run alongside and uh, to work together to see God bring awakening revival uh, into our different cities, our state and our nation. And, and I do remember the first time that we met there in Tallahassee, actually. And, uh, and it was a, a great meeting and uh, everything has just blossomed from there. I wanted to start off by asking you, how would you define uh, revival or awakening? Well, I think they can be defined in different ways, uh, and it just depends on who's defining it. Uh, I see what God's going to do in America as an awakening revival, which means it will impact the church and also society. Uh, many times we've seen revivals in local churches, but what I see the Lord doing is not just going to affect a local church, but it's going to impact cities, counties, um, regions and states, even a nation. Um, our awakenings throughout history have been awakenings that in many cases impacted an entire world, uh, not just a uh, small congregation. And so I would look at revival as being where, where the body of Christ uh, is renewed in who they are and begin living out the, um, the life that God has called them to. Uh, I see awakening as impacting society where millions, maybe billions, even come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was revival in the upper room, but then it became awakening in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and uh, where 3,000 were added to the Lord that day. And uh, so I, I see it as, as both, but 
when you look at a, awakening, it's when society is awakened to who the Lord is and that God is moving. All of a sudden, there's an awareness that God is in our city, that God is in our region and territory. Uh, I remember um, listening and, and talking with Doug Abner from uh, Manchester, Kentucky, whenever God brought the awakening revival to um, Clay County, Kentucky. It not only impacted the churches, and every church was filled to capacity within two weeks of God pouring out His Spirit, but it also affected all of society, that everywhere in that county, God was moving in homes, in businesses, uh, and, and things began to transform in many different ways uh, in people's lives, but also in business, uh, in government. <clears throat> And if you were to go to Manchester, Kentucky today and find somebody who was there on, on that day in May 2003 and ask them what happened, they will tell you that's when God came to town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just uh, amazes me that they look at it that way as being a day where, when God came to town. Wow, um, that's, that's amazing. And as you are describing how different sectors of society are changed and transformed in awakening, I mean, that just stirs my heart. <laughs> it just gets me excited to see God do that again and do it in, in other places. What do you see as key catalyst for an awakening revival? I think one of the uh, first key catalysts is, is hunger. Hunger among God's people to see God begin to move and manifest himself uh, in our lives and in our society. There has to be a hunger that we have that we begin crying out and calling out to God. Um, and, and I also see that uh, prayer is one of the key catalysts, uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, when you begin mixing hunger and prayer and fasting together, uh, it, it becomes the ingredients uh, for the recipe of awakening revival. Uh, it becomes that which uh, causes the heavens to open uh, for us. I, I feel like this has more to do with um, how we respond to the Lord than it just being uh, a, a, an act that happens. I, I believe it happens when God's people are hungry. Uh, throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, uh, when you get over into the Exodus and God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says that he heard their cry. And I believe that that's something that was the cry of hunger, the cry for mm-hmm. freedom. Yeah. Uh, that as you look through the history of awakening and the history of revival, there was a hunger and there was a cry that went from the heart of God's people. And even in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, he he says there, if my people who are called by my name will uh, humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And the the, the when you read the scriptures before uh, verse fourteen, the Lord said, if you see this 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 happening in the land. He said, if you will begin crying out to me or doing the second Chronicles seven fourteen, I will heal your land. 
And I think that that's where we are in America today. I believe that we're in that Second Chronicles seven fourteen season. And I, I know that there is more prayer that is going on in this nation right now than probably ever has been in the history of this nation. Maybe the history combined. Uh, there's so much mm-hmm. prayer that is going forth right now. And I believe that God is about to uh, uh, move his hand in places just like where you are, Thomasville, and uh, mm-hmm. just south of you there in um, uh, Tallahassee. I believe that God is really going to show up and manifest his glory in a powerful way. But I would say that hunger and prayer are, and fasting are the key components that opens the heavens up over us that causes God to pour out his spirit. That's so good. And God has just been speaking to me about desperation and hunger. And I feel that increasing in myself. Do you have any advice on how to help others uh, experience the same thing, have that hunger for more of the Lord, hunger for revival? Yeah, I, I guess for me, it's all started back the same year that I was saved. 1976. I was saved in January of that year. Uh, I remember the Lord coming into my heart, coming into my life and begin developing. He, the Lord began developing a hunger within me. And, uh, and then in May of that same year, I was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, to overflow and began speaking in tongues. And it created such a, a hunger on the inside of me that I would literally spend hours uh, in the presence of the Lord. Um, Cheryl and I lived in the country, um, and I would spend a lot of time in the woods, uh, down by the creeks. Um, When I would go fishing, I would spend a lot of time talking to the Lord. It just became a habit that I had of going out and just seeking the Lord. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was hungry for His presence. I was hungry to know Him. And I think that one of the things that we can do is is to cry out and ask God to give us that hunger. Um, mm-hmm. James says that we have not because we ask not. And I think that we can cry out and say, God, give me a hunger for you. Give me a hunger for uh, for for who you are and your presence, Lord. I want to be in that place. Um, and so that began to develop in my life early on. Uh, I still love the place of worship, which is another thing that that develops hunger within us. Uh, mm-hmm. And I led worship for around 20 years uh, with a guitar and, and wow. uh, in church before I began to lead a congregation. Then after I led a congregation, I led worship then as well. And there's always been that drive on the inside of me just to be in his presence. And, um, mm-hmm. and I can recognize real quickly when a, when a room is filled with hungry souls and the presence of God is there. And the mm-hmm. room is just filled with people going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think if we begin crying out uh, and asking God for that hunger, he mm-hmm. will begin filling us with hunger. Uh, the Bible says there in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And uh, I think it's a feeling that you have, that, but the hunger doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, 
I was just thinking about what's been going on in, in this year, <laughs> and we've seen turmoil in our nation in so many different areas. Um, has what we've experienced this year changed your hope in any way that America will see another great awakening? If, if it's done anything, it has increased my hope mm. that America will see uh, another great awakening, uh, and I think we'll see it soon. Mm. Um, throughout history, uh, the kind of times that we're, we're in right now led people into a place of prayer, um, right. into a place of fasting and crying out to the Lord. People who never had prayed before throughout history when there were times like this, they would begin to pray and God begins to answer. And so I think, if anything, my hope is increased <clears throat> because I think that the Lord is setting us up for a, a billion soul plus harvest uh, that will be coming in. I think some of the very people that are doing the rioting, the protesting, are going to be some of the first fruits of this awakening revival that's on the way. Mm. And, uh, and I'm just excited ab about this time that we're living in. Uh, <clears throat> if, if we were living in very comfortable times, people would have a tendency to hold back and not cry out. Mm -hmm. um, because of the time we're living in, they're crying out. Mothers are crying out for their children. Right. Uh, you know, um, children are crying out to find out who they are. And, uh, and so I believe that there's great hope to see uh, awakening revival come in the time that we're in. And one of the things <clears throat> that I would caution people in, uh, in, in is listening to too much of the uh, media, uh, mm -hmm. because media, whether it's conservative media or whether it is liberal media, there are times that it has a tendency to not have hope mixed with it and can... And just like the conversations of Sodom and Gomorrah vexed uh, Lot's righteous soul, the conversations that take place many times in the media can vex you and I. I know that happened to me in 2008, mm -hmm. and uh, I cried out to the Lord because I had lost my hope for awakening revival. And uh, I said, Lord, you know, what has happened? And, uh, and he clearly spoke to me and said, you've listened to too much media. And so I went on a four-year sabbatical of watching the news. Cheryl had to tell me what was going on in the nation um, because I just did not watch it anymore, and I stayed away from it. Whenever she would watch it, I would just go into the bedroom um, because it had vexed me. And it didn't take me but about a month to come out of that vexation and really begin believing uh, for that awakening revival, and even today, I limit what how much news I watch, uh, and because too much of it can bring you to a place where you start losing hope. And the Bible says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick," yeah. and I sure don't want to go there. <laughs> right? Yes. You were um, speaking of intercessors, people praying around the country, and that you really have seen a lot more people praying. Um, I had the privilege to be with you a couple of weeks ago in, in Satellite Beach at, I would call it a, a, a weekend of intercession um, yes. for, for the state of Florida and for America. And it was so uh, encouraging to me like to step into that place 
and experience the faith of others and to see, you know, we've all kind of been in a little bit of isolation uh, this year, but to get together and pray together again, it was just an amazing experience. It was. You could tell that people were hungry uh, to come back together corporately. Um, You could tell that a lot of them have not had that. And of course, um, that was the first meeting of that uh, kind that we've had this year, actually Mm -hmm. in a year. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, um, and and it was amazing back in December, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to uh, shut down everything you're planning for 2020. I didn't know why. And so uh, I canceled everywhere that I was going and I canceled people that were coming here and had not a clue what was going to take place. The Lord did. He knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord is faithful to uh, share with us what's coming in the days ahead. And, uh, and so the Lord is good at doing that. And he has us uh, now in a place where... Um, we're, we're that we're interceding from a different position now. I call it the mm-hmm. position of rest, where mm-hmm. we're not toiling, but we're exercising authority from a, from a position of rest that our soul is in rest. And so right. we're beginning to intercede from that place right now. Right. That that's so that's so good. Um, I I have heard you speak about having love for a city or love for the state of Florida and encouraging people to ask God for his love for their city. Um, Could you expand on that a little bit? Um, Why is that important? Because a love for your city, one, you will will immediately unpack your emotional bags Mm -hmm. and you won't desire to go to another city. And I kind of have to tell my story for people to understand this. When mm-hmm. uh, I know God sent us to Florida uh, back in 1988, Cheryl and I moved here on Labor Day of 88. It was raining when we arrived, and it rained for 30 days straight, day <laughs> and night. I had heard of tropical weather, but never had been in it. And he put us in the middle of Uh, Our little town that we were in was in the middle of orange groves all around us at that time. And uh, and it didn't take me long not to like Florida. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't like the climate. I didn't like uh, much about it. Uh, The the enemy really attacked us uh, head on. And I had my emotional bags packed ready to go. And when I would talk to God about leaving Florida, he would say to me with an emphasis, he would say, you're going to be here a long time. And there was an emphasis on the long. And I didn't understand that. I wish I had. And, uh, and so uh, back in seven, uh, 95, I began doing short-term missions trips in the uh, Bahamas and in uh, the Caribbean. And we begin seeing revival take place on a mm-hmm. large scale. Uh, some of the things you see in the book of Acts, we saw. We saw people being saved in every single service, people being healed in every service. Uh, mm-hmm. And they didn't have to be in the service to get saved or healed. Sometimes they were just in the community where this revival was taking place and God would show up and touch them. And I got real hungry for that, and I'd come back to Florida, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're in a place where there's no awakening, 
and you go back over there and there was awakening. There's a little community called mm-hmm. Cherokee Sound in the Abacos. And I thought God was going to move us over into the Bahamas. I had a, a, a Bahamian gave me five acres of land on the island of Eleuthera, which is one of the most beautiful islands. They have pink mm-hmm. sand over there. Mm-hmm. And I thought God was going to send us uh, to Eleuthera. You start having people giving you land. Right. And then in the midst of this revival, in about the second and a half year, uh, persecution began to arise against me and began to arise against the pastor and the church uh, where it was taking place, the community that it was taking place in. I didn't realize at the time that the persecution was God's plan to get me back home and fall in love with uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And so uh, persecution got strong. Uh, they they uh, called the uh, Bahamian um, customs on me, you know, and telling them I was making a lot of money over there. And I really wasn't. And uh, and because there's no money to be made over there. And so uh, anyway, just a, a lot of stuff like that. And I remember the Lord speaking to me the last time that I was there. And he said to me, he said, this will be your last trip. Mm -hmm. And so I remember getting in the airplane. I used to fly myself and I flew back home. And when I, when I got into Florida and I cleared customs there in Fort Pierce, Florida, there was a supernatural love that came on me for the state of Florida, the Mm -hmm. state I had always wanted to leave. All of a sudden I didn't want to leave. Cheryl, Mm -hmm. same thing happened to her. We just fell in love with the state of Florida. And I I tell people that what the Lord did is that he married us to the state. Mm -hmm. And he gave us a love for every square inch of the state of Florida. Uh, and, And in doing that, there's an authority. When you decide to unpack your emotional bags and you fall in love, with where God has placed you, there is another level of authority that comes to you that enables you to begin to work in that city or county or state, whatever he calls you to. There's another level of authority to bring transformation to that region and territory when you fall in love with it. And it's just like a husband and falling in love with a wife or vice versa, the wife to the husband. Uh, you unpack bags and you decide, I'm going to stay. E- even when there's challenges between the relationship, a husband and wife who are in covenant, even during the times of challenges, they will decide, this is where God has placed me, or this is who God has placed me with. I'm going to stay right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, even since I've been in Satellite Beach, you know, there's been challenges that you know would make you want to leave. Mm-hmm. But because God has called us here, uh, you know, when you face those challenges and you overcome those challenges and as you overcome them, the next challenge becomes easier to overcome because you realize now this is where God has placed me. Yeah. Well, that's and, so good. And even in Isaiah, the Lord talks about, I think it's Isaiah 62. He talks about being married to the land. And uh, he calls the land Hephzibah and Beulah. And, uh, and, and so he even talks about that. He, even, he himself talks about being married to the land. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that God wants his ecclesia, his people, to be married to where he's placed them, to unpack their emotional bags and say, hey, I'm going to stay here for good until the Lord tells me and, and shows me clearly that that's what he wants to do. Yeah, uh, that's so good. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier about people being desperate, like like things happen in the natural that help people become desperate to see a move of God. And um, I've, I've heard you share about uh, the Second Great Awakening and what was going on in Kentucky, the desperation there. And could you share a little bit about that and maybe how that relates to people pressing in to see a an awakening revival? Well, when that Second Great Awakening in Kentucky, uh, and actually began there for the nation, mm-hmm. um, when it took place, um, it was very hard times especially in Kentucky, uh, there was famine, there wasn't a lot of food, there wasn't a lot of money. Um, it was just a really hard time. And I, I'm just going to relay stories that have been handed down through history. This story I'm telling you was told to me by a pastor near the Red River Meeting House there mm-hmm. in uh, Kentucky, close to Adairville. And also Ricky Skaggs, the bluegrass Christian artist, uh, he told me the same story. Um, but there was a lady who came there and um, set herself there in fasting and prayer and told the Lord she was not leaving until um, revival came. And she meant business. She, she brought no provision with her. Uh, and we have to remember there's no lights. There's no restrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no running water except maybe a, a well with a... a a pump handle on it. And uh, she began crying out to God. And um, the story goes that after several days into this, that God began showing up. And there was a man who crossed the Red River, which is just south of the Red River meeting house. He crossed it on his horse and his horse threw him. And he fell to the ground and couldn't get up. And there was a man at the meeting house who saw this and went down to ask him if he was okay. And the man couldn't talk and he couldn't move. And the man who came out of the meeting house discerned that the Lord was working in this man's life. And he said to him, he said, "Uh, if you give your heart and life to Jesus, I believe that the Lord will let you up. And uh, the man just shook his head no and kind of said, mm-mm. And so the guy left him there, came back the next day. The guy's still laying there and asked him the same thing. The guy said, "Mm -mm." finally, on the third day, the guy comes down and asks him. And he says, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) he gives his heart to the Lord, hops on his horse and goes south, headed south back across the Red River. The guy from the meeting house said to him, said, hey, wait a minute. You've got to come give your testimony. He said. He said, no, I have to go back to Nashville. He said, I robbed a bank three days ago, and I'm going to turn the money back in. (laughs) And it was a mark of revival. Mm -hmm. And from there, it moved over into Cane Ridge, uh, over close to Louisville, I think, or Lexington. But 
and moved into the Cane Ridge Meeting House, and it's a log cabin. I think you were there with us, I believe, I back was. in 2014. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they began crying out for God, and 25,000 people from around the nation began showing up. And uh, even this was back in the days of uh, uh, Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone. I forget which one. Daniel Boone, that's who it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, a guy became, came there and began preaching, and God just began showing up. And these people were being saved, and there would, there would, uh, a preacher would preach to 50 on a stump, and then maybe another 100 over here somewhere were, were being preached to by someone else. And, uh, and, and people were being saved left and right. Even the slaves back in that day were being saved. And they had a, a black man, by they called him Bones. And uh, he, he was saved. And he also preached to the, the uh, slaves as well. And they were being saved. And it was just a tremendous uh, awakening impact that took place in Kentucky. And uh, that, that city, or, or rather that state, has had many different awakenings over the years. They've had the Red River Meeting House awakening, Cane Ridge. They've had the Asbury College awakening that's happened two to three times. Uh, and most recently, they've had the awakening uh, in 2003 there in Clay County, Kentucky. And you were there with us as well. Yes. And, uh, and it started there because drug addiction was so bad in uh, Clay County. And uh, everybody knew somebody that was on meth. And so uh, two pastors began crying out to the Lord, a Baptist pastor by the name of Ken Bolin and a Pentecostal pastor by the name of uh, Doug Abner. And uh, in this crying out to the Lord, uh, God gave Ken Bolin, the Baptist pastor, a dream of them marching through the street of Manchester, the, the county seat, with prayer and worship. Uh, testimonies, preaching, uh, and it was an all-day event. And so they began planning this. And on the day they had it planned, it was pouring down rain. And um, the head of the drug task force, Karen Engel, calls up uh, Pastor Doug Abner, and she said, there's no use in doing this march. It's pouring down rain. And Doug said to her, do drug dealers not deal drugs in the rain? Mm -hmm. And she said, I'll be right there. Mm -hmm. And they showed up around 10 a.m. to start the march with about 25, 30 people. Totally unlike Ken's dream where it had thousands in it. And, uh, And they stayed faithful to what God had called them to. And if my recollection is correct, somewhere along around 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, as it continued to rain, God opened up the hearts of people across Kentucky, and 3,000 showed up to march. Mm. And I remember Ken telling me that it ended in the park there in Manchester, which they have also named the City of Hope. Mm. 63 pastors repenting for only having vision for their church, not their city. And they repented and asked God to give them vision for their city. And I remember Doug saying this, Pastor Doug saying, that when the 63rd pastor repented, 
the manifest presence of the glory of God came upon Clay County, Kentucky. And the oppression that had been in this county since the days of Daniel Boone immediately lifted. Mm. And he said there was a presence and a glory that filled the, the entire county. Uh, churches filled up, people being saved left and right. Churches filled up within two weeks. Uh, drug addicts come into the Lord. Uh, they started a teen challenge program. Um, I think it's called David's Hope. I, I believe. I'm not sure. Um, they started a teen challenge program. Uh, business began coming into the city as well. They built a university there in the city. And even the land responded to the, uh, to the Lord. The, uh, there was so much sin in Clay County that they had no white-tailed deer. Uh, they, they had no fish in their streams and tributaries. All the fish had left because of the sin. All the white-tailed deer had left because of the sin. But when God came to town and came into that county, the fish returned to the tributaries. And the white-tailed deer return to Clay County, Kentucky. Not only that, they have the largest elk herd east of the Mississippi River resides in Clay County, Kentucky. And I just find it amazing uh, that even now they have the purest drinking water in Kentucky since God came to uh, that county and that city. And I just find it amazing how how that... Uh, Souls respond to the presence of the Lord, but also nature responds to the presence of the Lord as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that that is amazing. And um, it just encourages me how God uh, responds, uh, like we were saying, to the desperation of people coming together. I love what happened in Manchester, the, the unity of the body of Christ um, coming together, seeking God with one heart. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And see God. Yeah, see how God responded. Um, I I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would say, especially to the intercessors, but to everyone, find people who are hungry for awakening revival, people who are praying mm -hmm. for awakening revival, and be, begin to connect with them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it encourages us whenever we're able to connect with somebody who has a, a same passion, a same DNA in, in us. Uh, it encourages me whenever I see you because I know of your passion that you have for Thomasville uh, and, and the other people as well, like Pastor Eli there in Tallahassee. Uh, whenever I'm in that company, uh, something even awakens again on the inside of me to see uh, that revival come. So I would encourage everyone to find those that are hungry for awakening revival and, and begin to connect with them. You don't have to go to their church, um, but you can meet together. You can pray together in your homes. You can pray together in your business and just watch God begin moving in your city and in your region. Yeah, that, that's so good. And I wanted to ask you, would you pray for our listeners um, who are seeking revival for their cities? I would love to. I'd be honored. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your goodness and mercy. 
your great grace and your great power. Uh, you said in Acts 4.33 that great grace and great power was upon them all. And they saw you work, God, and they saw you manifest. And Father, I, I'm asking you right now for every listener, God, that you would just grant unto them the grace, Father, and the power that they had in the book of Acts. God, that you would undergird them, Lord, that you would bring your spirit and visit them, Father, in their homes, in their businesses. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, any of them that have uh, suffered during this time of COVID, Lord, that you would heal their finances, that you would heal their business, uh, that you would heal their body. Also, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, I decree your hand of favor upon every person, Lord, listening, Father. I just decree that they are the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. And everything that they set their hand to do, Father, you will bless it and open up the good treasure of heaven over them and pour out so much blessing they would not have room to receive it all. And Father, I thank you for doing that. Give you the praise and honor. Lord, I pray for uh, Cynthia, uh, for Duke, for Thomas, uh, for their family. I pray, God, that you stretch forth your hands into their life. Move miraculously, Father, in and through them, Father. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ken. Just such a blessing um, to be able to have this conversation with you. And um, when I hear your voice and when I hear you speak about the Lord, it just stirs something in my heart. Like it just makes me want to run harder. And so I just thank you for your ministry you and so much. how you've, you've um, really poured into me and, and so many others. We're just so honored to run with you and, and all the people there in Thomasville and outline area around there. Um, just want to say, be encouraged. Um, and if you don't mind me saying October 31st, uh, we're going to do a harp and bowl in Tallahassee and uh, six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we'll have the information out about that real soon. That, that's great. Oh, I did want to ask, how could people um, get in contact with you or follow you? They can go to uh, forerunner-ministries.org. That's forerunner-ministries.org. They can sign up there on email or they can go uh, to Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I have um, uh, a public page. I have a personal page as well. And uh, they can go to Facebook and connect with us that way. I'm also on Twitter at KJ Malone. And I'm also on YouTube at Apostle Ken. And I'm on uh, Instagram, but I don't mm -hmm. remember the address for you because <laughs> I just started the count. <laughs> and uh, so I'm on Instagram also. Uh, okay. But those are different ways they can uh, get in touch with us. Okay. And I will put those links in the show notes so it'll be easy for people to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Bless you, Cynthia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Revival in My City. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, review, or email me at Cynthia at RevivalInMyCity.com. I hope you will join me in praying. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in my city as it is in heaven.